welcome to what's your name oh <laughs> i'm alana <laughs> that's a nice name thank you nick i mean oh Nick's a nice name mm, have you heard of the name nicholas I've, i i heard of it for the first time today but i thought it was weird name yeah weird name. Nick's a little bit strange a little bit yeah. strange anyone born under the name nicholas needs to get himself <laughs> checked yeah um, whenever I say Nicholas, I think of your PayPal account, which is Nicholas. I changed it. I changed it. <laughs> I changed it the other week when I got a job. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a fully functioning adult. Yay. Awesome. So today it's our first book review. It is. Not really a review. Not a review. You no, told me just it was a discussion. Be a just a discussion. Ooh. Oh no, the whole episode is gonna just got just gonna be. Um, I describe the book and then I go four out of five and then end. Alana describes the book and then goes four out of five. That's the name of this episode. Alana describes a book and then goes four out of five. No matter what the book is. No matter, no matter is. if it's a terrible book. Yeah. Yep, it's always four. Out of I read this book called My Life is a Blundering Ballerina when I was like five and I got through like a page and it was the worst book I've ever read. And that what definitely... What would you give that? Also four out of five? five. Yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. What would you give this podcast? Okay. Pardon? Just out of interest, what would you give this podcast? Four out of five. A... Only four out of five? It's a lie. Wow. I'd give it six... No, I'd give it five out of four. Five out of four, wow. You really don't get maths, do you? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, in true cough fashion, I have a game, then I have a segment, and then Nick has a game. Nick has a game. Yes. So, my game is... And the thing is, if you want to see Nick's game, you've got to wait till the end. Yeah. So, you got to keep listening, unfortunately. But everyone knows the best part of this podcast is Nick's games. <laughs> Nick's games. Well, they they're at least a listening. four out of five. Yeah. At least. Everything's at a four out of five. At least. This is like... Not true. Yeah. Ooh. We value your privacy. Do I accept? I do accept. Because there's no way what? to access the website otherwise. Wasn't there a law recently... In Europe, the EU potentially, I'm not sure, which basically prevented websites from using the whole, if you scroll down, you're consenting to us using cookies. I feel like that was something that was passed recently in some country somewhere. That's cool. Maybe it was. That was a thing. I just, but yeah, basically like that, basically like the, the things where it's like, if you open this envelope, you Mm. void the warranty. Yeah. But you have to open the envelope to read what's inside. Yeah. It's that sort of thing, but with websites. And I'm pretty sure it became illegal somewhere, at least. Which is cool. Good. (laughs) Go internet. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, my game, I read the first line of a book. And then you have to guess what book it is. Okay, excellent. I'll be... You know I'm a weird young man. (laughs) The, the question is, do I um, choose a book that you've read or not? Um, if you want, just pick random books and I'll guess. Doesn't matter. Okay. This one you should know. I definitely don't think you do. Oh, God. But it had a key word in the title. The first time I saw Catherine, she was wearing a vivid crimson dress and was nervously leaping through a magazine in my waiting room. She was visibly out of breath. Have I read the book? Probably not. But there's a key word in the title. Mm-hmm. In the first sentence as well. No. <laughs> what? This is an excellent game. <laughs> <laughs> it's already off to such a good start. Yeah. Um. Okay. Could you read that to me again, please? 
This time with. Uh, would you bigger. like it in a sentence? And um, I'd like it in. I'd like it in number one an accent, and number two, yes. Okay, the first time I saw Catherine, she was wearing a crim vivid crimson wearing dress. a crimson. I uh, was nervously leafing through a magazine in my, oh, my waiting nice. room. She was visibly out of breath. Does like that you. help? I'm trying to add some order. Oh, are you Catherine? But you're not yeah. in a crimson dress. I don't have a single red thing in this room that I can put You definitely do. I know you do. I definitely have my cello in the corner, which is red, and that's it. Mm. Am I not trying you hard enough? That. Should I get my no. cello? No. No, also <laughs> no. <laughs> no to both. <laughs> uh, I don't know. A key word in the It is. Yeah. Many lives, many masters. The true story of a prominent psychiatrist, his young patient, and the past life therapy that changed both their lives. By Dr. Brian Weiss. What was the key word you were talking about? Psychiatrist. <laughs> All psychiatrists, I, I expect you to know. Every single no, one. No, every single one of them? Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Next um, book. I was just going to say, Many Lives, Many Masters sounds like the fourth um, Fifty Shades of Grey Fifty Shades of Grey, I was going to say the same thing, yeah. <laughs> this next book, which I'm going to skip. Oranges are not the only fruit. The prequel to Orange is the New Black. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, you actually might know this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the it age, was the of, age wisdom. of wisdom. It was the age of uh, foolishness. Foolishness. I don't know the book. Oh, it's um um, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, close. Same. Um, or no, it's something and something, right? Not really. There's no. two of them, but yeah. Why do I think it was Pride and Prejudice? It's like same same vibe. Like yeah. Victorian England English. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. I I I know. I know. It's like classic literature, but. Yeah. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of um, <laughs> You know what I felt like with know, that accent? I felt what? like Einstein and Genius, which is a TV show, which is very, genius. very good. Previously um, on uh, Genius. Genius. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, watched that, we watched that together uh, <laughs> That's early all that in I'm... our relationship. <laughs> 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 and it paved the way for the future, right? Yes. That shows what everything we share is based on. Mm. Is Einstein and all his lovely incest. For instance, you share all my ideas and in fact own all my they're ideas mine, like Einstein mine, did. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're my, well, our ideas, but I'm the man in the relationship, so mm. it's kinda like mm. Just kidding guys, yeah. but it is a great show and it's really informative into Einstein's positives and negatives. More than negatives. Well, I think everyone knows about his positives. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I don't but think anyone's questioning like... questioning that uh that that aspect of him. I think he knew what he was talking about. Yeah. I don't think I'm qualified enough, qualified enough to be like, oh, does E really equal M C squared? Mm. I think it does. I trust him. I like Although he my didn't like quantum physics, did he? That's that was what I was gonna say. I was gonna say my two favorite facts about him. Is that Number he one. just refused to believe in quantum physics? He was like, didn't no. he say God doesn't play dice or something? Wasn't that something the quote? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, like a guy, an atheist, anyway. Or maybe he wasn't an atheist. Anyway, basically, is, when he got he older, so he got less creative. And didn't didn't he kind of stick to his like original theories and was like, yeah. no, nothing else is different. Only when I was young, everything was, you know. The opposite to what everyone thought it was but now that i'm old it's the same as what everyone thinks it is he yeah. he did what he did to science and physics what quantum physicists are doing now in his time mm. and yet failed to accept that maybe there was room for error mm-hmm. and change on his own theories which is kind of really funny actually yeah um, um it's like there's this quote and somebody in like the 1880s or something said that everything that's ever been invented has been invented Mm. what <laughs> what yeah so it was the age of it was the best of times it was the worst of times it was the worst of times it was the age is it 
It's not Shakespeare, is it? No, no, no. No, Victorian um, um, England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. I'm gonna kill Can myself. Can I give you the author? Find out what it is. Yeah, sure. Charles Dickens. Yeah, so it's um. That was for some reason my mind was like his name's Shakespeare, but I was like, <laughs> I knew I would, I knew who I was talking about. <laughs> That's I why you're like, was... yeah, yeah, obviously Victorian England was Shakespeare. I I knew it was that one guy who wrote that one book about that one guy who was mm. hated Christmas. Um, humbug. I mm. don't remember, but I I am genuinely gonna kick myself when I find out. Tale of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> Yeah, that's why there's two of them. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to... That genuinely passed in my mind like five times. It was like, Tale of Two Cities. No, it couldn't be that. Tale of Two Cities. No, no, it's not that. <laughs> Your subconscious was like, damn it, listen to me. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I study this in English. I feel terrible I don't know if you've read that. it. But I think mm-hmm. you have and I think you like it. If you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me and uh, and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. You think I like it? I don't know. I can't remember any conversation we've had where you said I like it, but I, I just get that vibe that you have said that a relationship it's not about vibes. it's not about space by the way so that's not why i'm well, basing my... that's a shame <laughs> speaking of i just took a really cool picture of the moon yeah but that's not really Super related moon. to this podcast super moon i took 17 images and i stacked them together into one image and it looks really cool, cool. That was, yeah, Thank on you. that article, we were reading an article about um, how you should stack your images and make it more detailed, and I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. doesn't really work with an object like the moon because mm. it's so close. Mm. It works with, like, Jupiter because it's so far away and you get so much noise. Oh. But with the moon... It's kind of a waste of time, but I did it anyway to experiment with the program and figure out how to do it. Anyway, we're going back to the book. Yeah. Do you want me to read it to you again? And you studied it in English, you said. I did. Okay. And And I might have studied it in English. It has links to the Beatles. I don't think that'll help, but it might. In what way does it have links to the Beatles? If you tell me what way it has links to the Beatles, I might get it. The man who shot John Lennon had it in his pocket. I did not know that. I don't know what he had in his pocket, so that doesn't help me. So. Yeah, I figured that part out all by myself. (laughs) Congrats. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at my bookshelf as if that will help. It's not on your bookshelf. Ooh. Ooh. That's a big, actually, actually a big clue. Is it? Potentially. You have like 40 we're, books We're basically, there's hundreds, there's at least a hundred on there. Maybe. Are you including all bookshelves in my house or just the bookshelf in my room? Just the bookshelf. Because there are thousands in my house. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not thousands, but a significant number. We should count them you one day. You haven't seen you haven't seen the basement. Oh really? No, not really. I was like, Where, where's the basement? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a basement. <laughs> you don't have upstairs either. No, it's all a myth. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. I, I I haven't read it. Oh. Oh well, for some reason. But um. Oh, I actually have this book next to me, but I don't think you're going to get it. I like this quote, though. I have this book next to you. All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. You have this book next to you. I do. Like in, my like pile in your of books room. to read. Yep. In your pile of books to read. I don't remember what books are in your pile of books to read. No, 
So I, just, I, I think I've seen you, your pile. I'm not going to get this. No, okay. Just tell um, me. Anna Karenina by Leo Toystor. To- to- Toy Story. Um, Toy Story. Toy Story. <laughs> Leo Toy Story. <laughs> Friend of Tom Hanks. Toy Story's great. <gasps> this will be funny if you don't get this one. It is a oh, truth boy. universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. I don't. I don't know. Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Tale of Two Cities? Haha. <laughs> Thanks. I thought you that better know this laugh, one. Actually. Pardon? Okay. I thought that would get more of a laugh, but that's fine. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, you better know this one. I'm just I saying. I definitely won't. I, I have terrible memory of first lines of books. Mm. It was a queer, I didn't even... sultry summer. The summer they electrocuted the Rosenbergs, and I didn't know what I was doing in New York. You read this line in the last year. In the last year. The bell jar. Yeah. I'm yeah. very glad I got that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> there will be an episode on the bell jar in future. Just for context, um, the bell jar. How long into our relationship was that? Three months. Three months? Two months. I bought, two months. I bought months. that book for her. And mm-hmm. then she gave it to me to read, and Two I months. haven't finished it. Three months, it. I gave you the two thousand piece puzzle, <laughs> which was, by the way, for anyone listening, pure white. <laughs> that puzzle. There was a post Mine going around on. There was a post going around on Facebook recently, being about the thousand piece version of the pure white puzzle, being like, "This is only a demon would give this to someone." <laughs> well, guess what? My girlfriend got me the two thousand piece. <laughs> and like, we tried. It we... was like cool. <laughs> I wasn't. I thought it was really cool. I liked it a lot. You're exaggerating so much. But also, we tried to do one of the sides. Right, edges are easy on puzzles. And um, instead of getting forty pieces, we made it like forty six. Yeah, we like counted and we them and matched out... them up to the picture because the shapes were the same and still couldn't figure it out. And we couldn't figure out which one was wrong. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay, this one is about space. Excellent. Far out in the uncharted backwaters of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Excellent. Thank yes. you. <gasps> I'm really glad I got that too. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number Four Privet <laughs> Drive were proud uh, to say that Lord they of the were Rings? perfectly um, hold well. On, no, Thank I've, you very I much. Can, uh, oh, hold on, I can get uh, 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 Barry Trotter. No, what's his name? <laughs> also, if you haven't read Barry Trotter, it's an excellent parody series, and I love it. <laughs> I have. Have you not. heard of it? No, I it think I've in, heard of it. But do you know how I found out about it? No. You were just roasting like, your sister about Harry Potter and looked No, up. no, 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 no. This is even funnier. Like 50 years ago, when I was in year seven, mm. my English teacher had Barry Trotter on the book in the English classroom. <laughs> and and during like open reading, which is like an hour that we got in some classes to just read, I would always read it. Mm. And it was so funny. <laughs> it was like excellent. Barry and, and it was just a parody of Harry Potter and it was excellent. <laughs> Barry and, and it was in the yeah, something like that. It was it was great. It was a great series. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so read Barry Trotter. <laughs> this is an excellent book. Mm-hmm. It was seven minutes after midnight. The dog was lying on the grass in the middle of the lawn in front of Mrs. Shear's house. Its eyes were closed. Excellent book doesn't really narrow it down. No. The dog does, and it's nighttime. The dog does. It's nighttime dog. Was it Mrs. Shear? No. What was the name of the character? Oh, Mrs. Shear. Yeah, that's the character. That's literally what I said. I thought you were saying that's the title of the book. Um, the dog does... I have no idea. The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. 
I can see I, how the I gave him, night helped there. Yeah, yeah, gave, gave me, me lots lot. of those words. You gave me a lot. <laughs> Tried my best. So, the more? next, the next book. Excellent. Starts off like. Mhm. Give me a hot second. How long's a hot second? Not sure. In relation to a cold second. Up above the wagon rolling along a stony road, big thick clouds were hurrying east through the dusk. First man. Yes. And you know yes. how he knew that? Because he could see me looking down at the book. I, I have genuinely could not, and I remembered head. that one from when I read it. That's genuinely impressive. not even joking. Cool. I love Camus. Genuinely impressed. Thank you. <laughs> I love um, Camus. What and that is what can I, my segment is about today. Can I tell the story about yeah. how this book was discovered, please? Yes. As much as it is your segment, and if you want me to let you That's talk, okay. I will I let you talk. Lots of other facts. But I remember um, last year talking to you about this. And um, if you don't know, Albert Camus, he was born in... Uh, that one country that starts with A, Algeria. Algeria. There we go. French colony, um, in Africa, and he basically became one of the most iconic, most well-known existential philosophers of the twentieth century. Um, existentialism is kind of a post-modern, neo-modern take on life which emphasizes the individual as opposed to the collective um it it's very much focused on how no matter which existential philosopher you subscribe to or you think is right um it generally deals with themes of basically um living your own life authentically and to the to the fullest that you can live your own life rather than living your life um as a kind of as a function or as a kind of product of what other people think or what other people want you to do um and so basically the idea of authenticity is to live um just as truly and to yourself as possible um so there's inauthentic existence as well of course which is you know um something that a, a lot of people probably experience and Camus was a what he's best known for is called the absurd. And the absurd... Sorry if this is taking a long time, by the way, Alana. I don't mean to cut into your segment, it's but okay. it's really interesting. Thank <laughs> you. Um, the absurd is this... I, this He came up with it in... Um, probably most well-known in his book, The Myth of Sisyphus. And it's it's this idea, this, this concept of the moment where you kind of realise that you're searching for a meaning in a universe that has no meaning no inherent meaning mm. right and there's that disconnect between your desire for a, a true purpose and the true meaning and the fact that there is none and so there's that there's a gap there right there's a gap between what you want and what there is and that the experience of realizing that is what he called the absurd and um yeah so that's Camus he was friends with Sartre um Jean-Paul another Sartre, existentialist philosopher. Another existentialist. <laughs> but Sartre supported the no. Stalin regime, I believe. He was against communism. Sartre or, or Camus? Sartre. No, Sartre, Sartre was for communism. Camus was part of the communist... was involved with communism in university. Mm. And then Sartre but not, not later in got mad life. at him. Okay. Wasn't it the opposite? Might have been. I feel like it was the opposite. I might be wrong. Anyway, the point is, Sartre and Camus were really good friends until they had a disagreement on politics. Um, and Sartre, and they, they didn't really talk after that, which is sad. Okay, the other he, big player... Sartre yeah. embraced Marxism but did not join yeah. the Communist Party. Okay. Yeah, and Camus was against Marxism as a as a as a rule, mm. and that was kind of the the dividing factor in their. And basically, in this book, the first man, 
there's a lot of talk about like the the racial issues between the native Algerians and the Arabs and also the French colonists. And a, um pardon? You go, you go. And um yeah, so there was there's lots of like racist racism issues in the book. Um and he was basically saying that it didn't matter who was sort of in charge, everybody was the same. And then Sartre was kind of against that because he believed it one one way it was superior. I mean, we could do a whole episode on existential yep. philosophy if we wanted to. We may. Maybe five. Um, <laughs> you could bring in Heidegger, the German philosopher, who was kind of the, the precursor to Sartre and, and Camus and talk about all this other stuff and all of their ideas. But the, the point that I was trying to bring up was that Camus being this existential philosopher, embracing, you know, uh, uh, um, embracing living in the moment and, you know, living authentically and being just embracing the beauty of nature and the beauty of, you know, the here and now um, was was planning on going to a what was he going that day you know the day i'm talking i don't about. know but he was with a publisher with his he publisher. yeah he was originally going to get the train to a an event i believe it was a publishing event or so. something along those lines yeah and so he was going to get a train um and his publisher said to him oh no i have a car why don't i just drive us there that's much easier and he said no i really want to get the train and the publisher was like, no, no, we'll, we'll take the car, it's fine. And they got in a crash, and Camus died, and so did the publisher, I believe. So, yeah. And if that's not one of the most poetic yeah. deaths for a philosopher, Who in a situation see- where, if you've seen, like, um, Sliding Door, I think that's the name of the movie. Um, let me have a one quick hot look at it. What's it called? Not sure. Sliding but Doors, yeah. Basically, the movie is about... It's a, it's a philosophical kind of exploration into the fact that tiny little, influence, tiny little decisions can have such a massive impact, in influence later in your life and down the line. And this idea, you know, and that's a very existential kind of idea. And the fact that the reason that Camus was killed was because he decided instead of taking a train which he was planning he had the he had the ticket for the train in his pocket when they found his body yep. the train ticket that would do you want to do you want to continue on to how the book was found the train ticket and the manuscript for the book which we're about to talk about on his person yes um at the time of the car crash and for some reason while i was researching this um book Every single website indicated slash emphasized that the manuscript was in was covered in mud. Mm, they I, all I've said seen that mud. too a lot. I, yeah. Why? Not sure. Apparently, it was like a rainy, muddy day. So if that's that's the scene, hopefully, maybe he slid off the road. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. Who knows? Maybe it is. But yeah. Uh, anyway, January if you want to, if you one second, if you want to, if you want a philosophical. Uh, podcast let us know yes existentialism is very much a topic i can talk about we can talk about for a long time so yes january 4th 1960 at the age of age of 46 he died and so basically this book the first man also known as le premier homme wow i am multilingual in french the first man (laughs) yes i'll translate for you Mm. Um, is basically a biography of his life, except with change. Autobiography. Yeah, but with changed, um, like, names of people. Mm. And slightly different, but very, 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 very similar to, like, his situation in that it's somebody who's born in Algeria, and then um, his father dies before he turns one, He's very poor, his grandmother's overbearing, and then he works hard at school, gets like, has a father figure with a principal, 
I mean, no, with his teacher who supports him, gets him a scholarship, and then suddenly he becomes really um, successful. However, since the book is cut short, because it was an unfinished manuscript, you don't really get to grasp the success. Um, Which is kind of beautiful, in a way. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I was reading the that has lots of notes and sketches in, at the back of the book, as well as appendices. Um, about like basically his drafts for what was going to happen just like little thoughts he had and it's also important to note that there are bits in the book where because his daughter i believe yeah. translated it originally like there are bits where she's yeah. yeah there are bits where she's kind of put or at least the editor from the version that i read has kind of put this could be open for interpretation or mm-hmm. he scratched this bit out but we could interpret it so we've left it in yeah stuff like that and so, so it kind of feels like a like a process of a book rather than a finished product which is really nice i think yeah so basically throughout it you can see um there's punctuation has been added words that mm. were not clear are bracketed words yeah, or parts yeah. of sentences that were not decipherable are shown by a white space between square brackets the author's mm-hmm. variants written at the top of the manuscript page appear as footnotes. So basically it'll be like, he was old, he was ancient, he was etc. Yeah. Um, just all written down. And then um, his marginal inserts are indicated by letters. So just any thoughts he had along the way. Mm. Um, yeah, so in those notes and sketches at the end, there were some things about how much he wanted... Cause the mother in the story and also his own mother couldn't read and she was almost completely deaf. And um, he really wanted it to be written, the book to be written, or at least he had ideas of the book being written to the mother. And that's only at the very end that he kind of becomes conscious of the fact that his mother can't read and she'll never understand mm. what's going mm. on in the book. Because a lot of the book is based on, like, his love for his mother and his respect for her kind of security with just being simple and living such a minute life that she doesn't know Mm. anything outside the circle of. Mm. If you want, and this maybe not doesn't relate that well, but Mm -hmm. it's about Camus. If you want a writer who has the most incredible sense of descriptive language, even when translated from French to English, read some of Camus' stuff. Yeah. Like, um, although it's not the same book, there was a point, there was a few points in the first man where I was like, wow. But the most striking example is in probably for me, The Stranger, The Outsider, depending on which translation you subscribe to, um, where he's just kind of describing the ocean and the sun beating down on, on people. And the heat and the feeling of being like, wow, nature's just epic compared to me. And yeah, he has a really, really, all of his, especially his nature, his descriptions about nature and the world um, are really, really eye-opening, I think. I, I find them really, really beautiful. Leading on from that, um, his other works are much more philosophical. I haven't read them, but this is just what I picked up on. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Whereas this one's very like personal in the moment, kind of like more of a novel. Um, a few of yeah. his works are novels. Yeah, they're novels, they but they're like focused. They're probably more philosophical. But yeah, they are they still. F- there yeah. are. He has his philosophical essays, like the Myth of Sisyphus, and then he has his novels which are mm. very distinct from them. Yeah. It's not like you'll be reading them and, and be like, wow, this is so philosophical. Like, you won't realise, unless you want to, that it's philosophical at all. It's just a story. Yeah, that wasn't... I, I was like, yeah, he has philosophical essays and then he also has other books, but they are like... Like, with this one, it's only once you sort of read into it, it's quite subtle the like underlying mm. messages and it's just told through this person's own reflections and not in a very overt way. Whereas in mm. some of the other books from what I've read, they um, 
are like more overt and more easy to pick up on the existential topics. Mm. Um, anyway, so basically what this book is about is about a son going to visit his father's grave who died before he was one and realizing that now he's older than his father was and just kind of there's the reason I perceive it to be called the first man I'm sure there are many many interpretations yeah. about why but mm -hmm. um it was kind of like his father was like a first man in that he moved to Algiers and then didn't really like know anybody he didn't have any grasp of what he was doing their whole family was new to the country and mm. then even though Camus has all this edu I mean well not Camus Jacques Cormery in the book um has all this education behind him when he finds out about his father he realizes he doesn't really know who he is he doesn't really know anybody he's just like rediscovering everything and to me I believe it's saying that every person is the first man everybody has to discover all mm. these things for themselves yeah um yeah. anyway it's 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 an amusing book for instance um uh it, it, they're talking about religion and how as the saying goes his family only went to church when someone was hatched matched or dispatched that's funny yeah. it is and then he said even when someone died the most his grandmother said was well he'll fart no more mm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, and it was it really delves into a lot to memory, because he says that in such poor, uneducated people, um, dealing with like different class issues, they have no landmarks in their life, in that everything's the same, so they can't remember things as well. Which is interesting, mm. I think, because that's kind of what we're dealing with now in quarantine. Like, every yeah. day is very similar. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. um, it's true. Yeah. Some other funny things that I found was his grandmother would put nails in the bottom of his boots so that they wouldn't wear out. Mm. And she could, she'd check the boots every night to see if there was any wearing on them. Um, from mm. playing soccer at lunch because he mm. wasn't allowed to play soccer because then they'd have to buy new boots. And so, like, in class, in the last period, he'd be, like, furiously scrubbing dirt on the nails trying to stop yeah. them from shining. That's so funny. Yeah. So, also relatable. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of the characters are in the book which are important. His friend, Pierre who, um, it's, it's funny, throughout the book, lots of the characters have multiple names. For instance, his uncle Ernest is Ernest and also Etienne. And then mm. Pierre has another name as well. Mm. Which yeah. is funny because, obviously, it's such a bio autobiographical novel that he hasn't formed names for the characters. He's just describing the characters and then going to go back and rework But he knows it. who they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, his uncle Etienne, Etienne Ernest, um, is, has some sort of mental disability so that he, he's like, doesn't really understand language very well. Um, mm. so he only has like, like a, a few words, but there's a massive connection between his uncle and his mother who obviously also has a disability cause she's deaf and, mm. um, yeah, and there's just, like, he, he talks a lot about how, like, they care for each other in silence. Like, they can read so much from mm. each other that they don't need words and other yeah. forms of communication. Um, yeah, in, the, in, the, in these appendices and notes, it's funny. He, he gets, like, really bitter as they go on. Mm. Like, they become more negative and... I'm not sure. That could just be because it was kind of unpublished and he was just writing his thoughts. Yeah, I think so. But it, it's, it was just funny that, like, it seemed as the book went on or whatever, um, it became more bitter. Mm. But not the, not the actual script of the book, just the notes. 
yeah, the later yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is he's probably just yeah. like frustrated about what yeah. he's doing. He's like, whoops. And also his sister. I mean, not his sister. His daughter said that he definitely would have edited it to make it a lot less personal, and that he mm. hated revealing himself, as is evidenced by a note to his teacher who inspired him when his teacher's like oh you were always such a reserved man i'm very impressed that you've managed to keep to yourself even though you're famous now basically mm. mm-hmm. yeah he's very yeah he was yeah <laughs> there's a lot of things you could say about him um mm. it was a very kind of like of his day like very stylish and kind of like this almost heartthrob kind of figure right where he was like this really you know he was an attractive young man who was kind of paid to think and write (laughs) and then compare that to like Sartre who was this guy with an eye that stuck outside of his head and (laughs) had a had a wife who was in a relationship, an open relationship. There's Camus on the front there. This is Camus. If you're watching the YouTube video, if That's you can find for me or anyone a photo of Camus without a cigarette in his mouth, <laughs> I think it will be worth about a million dollars. <laughs> they all have a cigarette in his mouth. Every single photo of him, it's in, it's inc- it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he was quite an extraordinary man, and it's a shame that he died so young. Yeah. Because he had, like, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature um, in the 50s. He won, yeah, he was a pretty extraordinary writer. And he had a very, very... Interestingly, um, Camus and Sartre both won the Nobel Prize for Literature, but Sartre rejected it. Sartre didn't didn't accept it. Yeah, he didn't like material awards. Mm, And Camus was just like, yeah, give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) He he was the celebrity um celebrity yeah. f- philosopher. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, but he was also one of the most influential philosophers yeah. of the twentieth century, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a couple of other things to say. Cool. Um, talking about the race, he was he kind of talked about violence in a very like animalistic way, almost. In that, um, well, firstly, he talked about how so many people had gone off to die for their country in these wars. Um, and he, when he asked his parents, like, well, his mum, do you know what our country is? She couldn't answer. And she didn't know, like, she just knew that sometimes men had to go off and wouldn't come back, kind of. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then there's lots of evidence of like senseless violence um especially when they first came to algeria Mm. and um then he was saying like it gets so hot there that sometimes violence just happens just because you're just frustrated with the heat for instance somebody he saw somebody at a barber shop who the barber just got sick of him so he slit his throat and then pushed him outside Mm. and it was like oh okay whoa this is like it seemed like just a very it was a very like simple simple time it wasn't there was no build up to it it just happened yeah, and just then happened. he kept going yeah mm. yeah and yeah. um apparently one title for a section he considered was adam so mm. obviously religion but biblical themes <laughs> but he was very much not a religious person no and yeah, which Neither is probably worth, many of you the know, poor people people there. No, just didn't have time for it. Mm. Um. Yeah, so he went to the Lycee, which is like the the high school that basically poor people cannot go to, um, mm. because they don't have enough money. They have to be working after age ten. So, um, he got a scholarship. Him and three of his friends. And there was a fourth person who tried out for the scholarship and was the only one who didn't get it. Mm. And it was just kind of like he knew that he they he just kind of disappeared after that. Like he wasn't a big character, but it was kind of like he knew that he would never get out of this 
mm. world, whereas the others, they didn't even know what world they were getting out of, kind of, because, like, mm. he went home and the teacher was like, look, I know your son's not working now, but he's gotten a scholarship and if he goes to school, he'll have, like, much more money and much better jobs. And she couldn't really comprehend that, but her te- his teacher was like, listen, just, like, I know this is the correct thing to do. Mm. But, yeah, she couldn't comprehend that he yeah. could escape, kind of. Yeah. Um, and then going back to this father figure idea is he he never missed his father until he went to that grave because he had so many I, other father figures. Yeah, I love that particular description when he gets to the grave and when he realizes, when he reads the date of the death and he realizes, hold on, this guy who I've been kind of my whole life thinking of as like, you know, not my father because he just... You know, he's not a... He, he left and he's not... He wasn't there. He was younger than I am now when I'm looking at his grave when he died. And mm. it's kind of like this huge realisation of like, wow. Yeah. Do you want me to read it's it really, to you? really, really... Sure. Absolutely. Jacques Cormery, gazing up at the slow navigation of the clouds across the sky, was trying to discern, beyond the odour of damp flowers, the salty smell just then coming from the distant motionless sea, when the clink of a bucket against the marble of a tombstone drew him from his reverie. At that moment he read on the tomb the date of his father's birth, which he now discovered he had not known. Then he read the two dates, 1885 to 1914, and automatically did the arithmetic. 29 years. Suddenly he was struck by an idea that shook his very body. He was four ye- 40 years old. The man buried under that slab, who had been his father, was younger than he. And then it has a footnote that says transition. So he scrolled in the mm. margins to have a transition after that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That always makes me feel some kind of way when I read that. <laughs> yeah. And so, even you can even see in that particular passage, Camus' um, showing not comfort, telling. showing not telling, but his um, his absolute kind of comfort and almost affinity with describing nature, mm-hmm. like at the start of that passage, like the sea and the flowers and all this other stuff. It's just it's so natural and it feels so real when he describes it. And yet, I challenge anyone to try and write a similar description of nature in a way that captures it as well as he does. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> I really don't. It's it's incredible. And I think to end, I'm just going to have a fun fact. And then mm. um, a question and then a funny story. So those are three and then games. the thing you've all been waiting for, the game. Nick, Nick's game. What's it called? Nick chose a game for in a hurry today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the fun fact is that he was going to write an entire chapter going backwards in time. Mm. So, yeah, starting at the end and then being like previous previously except have you seen i imagine um, in a much more eloquent way than that <laughs> previously 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 it'd be like genius. watching it'd be like watching 10 episodes of, of genius yeah <laughs> but just the first five minutes yeah yeah also speaking of going backwards in time have you seen memento no i haven't but Movie it's, on, by... it's on the list it's on the list Christopher Nolan, it it goes backwards in time and then it goes forwards in time and then it meets in the middle and it's kind of amazing. Mm, I've heard. I've, so yeah. go, I've wanted watch to watch it. that for a while. So. Maybe Nick talks about a movie. Episode two will be about that. That sounds Maybe great. Not. Yeah. i got a lot of movies I want to talk about <laughs> and they're all excellent. But I have an idea of what the next one is going to be. So get excited for that. Next Monday. Next Monday. Okay, so this is a series of questions, but it all culminates to one question that I copied off one of the, like, read this before you read the book and then you'll have a better understanding sort of thing. 
mm. websites. For me, honor in the world is found among the oppressed, not those who hold power. How does Jacques' victory over a boy in his schoolyard school who taunted him illustrate an early example of this moral vision? How does Jacques' theft of a two-franc piece from his grandmother and his grandmother's attempted recovery of like literally digging through the latrine affect his understanding of the family's economic situation and his own betrayal of the family? In another situation in which his grandmother plays another part, Jacques is forced to lie in order to get a summer job. Why is this particular act of loyal to the, loyalty to the family's economy so difficult to him? So basically, where's the line um, between white lies and mm. black, the grey? Yes. Black lies. <laughs> white lies and unacceptable moral behaviour. There you go. Mm. Yeah, and he, his grandmother didn't even expect to have the two francs back. But then he mm. said, oh, I got two francs back and then pretended to drop it down the toilet mm. and then kept it. And then he felt yeah. so bad when she spent hours digging through the waste. Yeah. Um, and then my final funny fact before we go into the game. Nick's, Nick's famous and exciting game. Mm-hmm. is one of the notes and he said at the age of 40 having ordered meat very rare in restaurants all his life he realized he actually lacked it medium and not at all rare <laughs> i like that <laughs> me too i like that a lot so there we go camus liked to steak to medium mm. yes you learned something massive about but he was a philosopher today for a while. Was he a shoe? <laughs> it's true. Was he living authentically? We don't know. No. Not, till, Probably not, not. until he realised. Not until he discovered that medium steak. Not that I agree. No. Medium rare is the way to go. Absolutely. Medium rare. Yeah. Perfect balance of blood and cook. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Seamless transition, one seamless transition later, and we arrive at Nick's game. Mm-hmm. Please describe That was the, the transition. After, the game after is... After the segment, what was it called? Alana reviews a book and says uh, that it's four out of And gives it four five. out of five. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, wait, just just to clarify, what would you rate that book that we just reviewed? Um, four out of five. Four out of five. Four out of five. What a shock to the nation. <laughs> And to the world. Mm. All right. Nick game. Nick game. Nick game. This game is not that exciting. I'm sorry to to, to admit. <laughs> but basically, we're going to be... We have a very vague description of a book. And you have to guess what book it is. Wow. Okay. That sounds great. A very vague description. Yeah. Most of these are classics. So... There's a good chance you'll have read them, or at Maybe. least heard of them. Maybe. Number one, a young woman gets an internship in a big city. Oh, that's a bell jar for sure. That is the bell jar. Good yeah. job. We both would have got that. <laughs> All right. An old guy tries to break his unlucky streak. <laughs> what? Um, if you want, I can give you the author. Okay. Ernest Hemingway. It's got to be the old man on the sea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. A young woman is publicly humiliated. Hmm. Another classic. Probably less popular than any of Hemingway's stuff or The Bell Jar. The Hunger Games. No, I'm no, just a kidding. classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, publicly humiliated. I feel like I know what it is, but it's just. There's l- probably a lot of classics which have that theme in them. Yeah. Would you like the author, or would you like? The I would the love book? the author. Thank you. Nathaniel Hawthorne. That didn't really help. Would you now like the name of the book? <laughs> I I would, and then I'll guess. The sc- the Scarlet Letter. The, the Scarlet book. Letter is my guess. 
Good guess. That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> this one, this one, you know, but I don't think you'll know it from the description. Okay. A man tries to impress a woman with his money. The Great Gatsby. You got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> These funny. descriptions suck. <laughs> I mean, they don't really are getting a lot of them. They're pretty good descriptions, I think. Like, Belgiar was great. Yeah, it was. Great Gatsby was pretty good as well, to be mm. fair. All right, this one. A poor student plans to kill an old woman. Poor student. Hmm. This is a very, very well-known book. Oh, God. Um, Not saying you've read it, but... No, saying that it's well-known. Yeah. Well-known. You, you'll know the name of it even if you don't know the book. And you'll know the author. Who's the author? Dostoevsky. Damn it. What did he write? War and Peace? You're so close. Peace and War? <laughs> You're so close. <laughs> Crime and Punishment. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Who you, wrote War and uh, Peace? I, I... Is that even a book? Don't you mean The Art of War? Or do you mean War no. and Peace? War oh, um, Tolstoy. Oh, cool. He wrote both. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay. <laughs> a I man it was sets some out... Russian dude. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Dostoevsky, pretty Russian name. Exactly. Um, this one I like a lot. I like this. A man sets out on a quest to get revenge on something that hurt him. Um, think like any adventure story ever, right? Yeah, right? But it's not, well, it is an adventure story, but a bit more classic than like... Robin Hood. No. Three Musketeers. Would you, not that... Not that at It's all. not a stereotypical adventure in that way. Okay. Um, do, could the you describe might... how they hurt you, him? What do you mean? Like, you can see the book, right? Yeah. Dude, can you describe how they hurt him? Who hurt him? How the how the thing that he was going after hurt him. Yeah. Okay. Um. It. It's hard to say without giving it away. Um. Would you like the name of the narrator? Okay. Yeah. Ishmael. Some sort of Jewish book, is it? That's an interesting take. <laughs> Would you like the author? The author, the author will give it away, I think. Probably won't. Melville. Oh. What are you? Herman like? Melville. There's one book that he, that you'd, yeah. you'd probably associate with his name. For sure, but I can't remember it. Um, is it? No, I don't know. I don't know. Think biblical stories. Jonah and the Whale. Is that what I'm thinking? And what's another name for that? It's it's a very similar story. Maybe. Is that, uh, Correct. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, when you said Ishmael, I was going to say Moby Dick. And then mm. I was like, nah. No way. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. Mel Melville Moby Dick is like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. There's a few more left. This is really fun. I'm enjoying this. Yay. A young woman and man eventually fall in love, despite originally disliking each other. Beauty and the Beast. Is that us? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Um, no, it's not Beauty and the Beast, but it's a book that you will remember from very recently. I will remember from very recently. Okay. Um, initially disliking each other. Hmm. Not sure. Not sure, not sure. When, not I, say, sure. when I say remember from recently, I mean from this podcast episode pride and prejudice yeah yep. okay jane austen 
Um, hmm. The next one. These are all really, really vague. I'm impressed you got some of them. <laughs> Thanks. Can I just say that? These are really hard. Mm. Um, I'm trying to guess them before I see the answer. Mm. I've only got like two or three right now. And they were the ones that you got. <laughs> um, all right. This one's, yeah. A man is betrayed and tries to clear his name. I don't know. You you hear the thing and you're like, oh, I for sure I've read a story. Could about be anything. That. And yeah. then you're like, yeah. mm, I don't know. I haven't read this one. I feel like it's set in France. Am I correct? Yep. I believe so. Um, but I haven't read it. Um, I'm 99% sure it is. Yeah, 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 you're right. It is. Cool. It's yeah. one of the author's most popular books, and you will know the title. Is it Victor Hugo's one of his? No. Mm. No. It was a French writer. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be a French writer. It was said in French. It is a French writer. It is a French writer. I'll give you that. But it's not Victor Hugo. Although think 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 of think of Victor Hugo's most famous work, Quasimodo or Les Mis. Another name for Quasimodo. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. Now, put the same sentence structure, but with different words. The betrayed boy of Paris. It has the same amount of words in it. Okay. And the, it follows the exact same structure. Are you counting hunchback as two words? One word. One word, okay. And Notre Dame as two. Yeah. I can't give you any more clues without giving it away. I don't know. The I don't... count of... Oh. I don't know. Monte Cristo. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to get Dumas. that. Okay, yeah. I was not going to get that. that. I thought the hunchback clue was my best clue so far. That was yeah. a really good clue. Um, that was a good clue. There were probably people listening being like, like punching their, their yeah. car radio, being like, oh how did God, you not the get count, that? The count, Think the count. The count of Monte Cristo, of course it's that. Duh. All right, we've got, we've got two more left. And this one, if you don't get this one... I might end the, the podcast right now. Okay. I haven't looked at the answer, but I know what the answer is. Okay, okay. Okay? Okay. You will get it. A lawyer defends an innocent man who is falsely convicted and oh. later killed. To kill a mockingbird. Correct. Good job. Fun fact of the day, my dog's called Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. There you go. Yes. As if you didn't call him Atticus or her Atticus. You know what's funny is I was reading my high school newsletter and one of the teachers was talking about walking their dog Atticus named after To Kill a Mockingbird and I was like, our dog Atticus, should meet. <laughs> Atticus is an excellent name. Also, my dog's Can a I girl. just say that? It is. But there was a to say Atticus wasn't a girl too. Kid in year three. In his heart. Mm. Yeah, we're only dealing with a couple of issues in that book. Not, <laughs> mm. not the issue of transgenders. Yeah. yeah, um, there was a kid in year three in my year three class. Well, actually, in like year two, year three, year four class, mm. called Atticus. So that's like mm. when I think of Atticus as a name, not as the character. That's what I think of. Mm. I haven't met anyone called Atticus, so I just think of the lawyer. Nice. Also, what an excellent book. Yeah, really. really Kill a Mockingbird. What an excellent, excellent, excellent book. Mm. Really, really good. All right, last one. Um, <laughs> every time I see this author's name, all I can think of is Bojack Horseman. Um, well, I haven't seen Bojack Horseman. I know, which is why it's not a clue to you, but it might be a clue to other people. Ah. Anyone listening to this podcast who's watched Bojack Horseman, I'm going to give you a big hint right now. It's the same guy who ended up producing... 
What do celebrities know? Do they know things? Let's find out on BoJack Horseman. Peanut butter dog. And the uh, author is the author of a book which can be summarized in this sentence. A young man is expelled from school. Well, now I'm thinking Catcher in the Rye. Mm-hmm. Correct. Awesome. <laughs> What's the author? J.D. Salinger. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Good yeah. job. Maybe we'll do an episode do on the historical connections of Catcher in the Rye. I mean, connotation. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Do we have time for one more Nick plays a game? I don't think so. We've been going for 66 minutes. We have, but there's some pretty good games on here. We'll save it for our next next book episode, okay? I know this is exciting Sounds stuff, good. but stay tuned. I like Hit that I like, like and subscribe button if you want to see the it. Bell. Hit the bell. Don't forget to hit the bell. Get notifications. Mm. Drink Despite your water. Drink your tea and your water. Oh my we nearly God. forgot. If you, made, if you made tea at the beginning of this episode, I'm so sorry that I forgot to remind you halfway through to drink yeah. it. Yeah. But drink it now, and at least it might be lukewarm. Excellent. Right? Yeah. And drink water, because water's good for you. Stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. And adios. From adios. The first... What's a word for? What's a word for goodbye in another language other than adios? Um. And not. The opposite of ni hao. So like, I'll her in. <laughs> And with that, we'll end the podcast. Forever, I think, after the repercussions of that. (laughs)